Hi, friends. How's it going? I haven't been here for four weeks. It's uh, so good to be back with you all. Uh, had a great time away with my family, and now we're, we're back and ready to roll. Uh, before we jump in, I want to uh, make you aware of a couple of things. Uh, one, this fall I'm going to do uh, something called a formational learning community on Wednesday evenings. And so, um, not every Wednesday evening, uh, probably right around the second and fourth Wednesday of each month minus uh, November, I think. So uh, this fall, uh, one thing we're going to do is go through this book together uh, called Everything Belongs, uh, written by Richard Rohr. So, uh, if uh, you're a parent of a youth and you're going to drop your child off at the student center anyhow, you might as well stick around and be a part of uh, this formational learning community. Uh, and so we'll do this book this fall. And then in the winter through spring, I'm going to do uh, this book called An Altar in the World by Barbara Brown Taylor. Uh, fantastic book. Um, and, but I want this to be more than just like a book study or book club, I, and this is why I'm calling it a formational learning community. I want it to be truly formational in our lives, and so we're going to use a book to springboard from, but uh, engage in hopefully some experiential spiritual practices together and uh, really dig deep together. So that'll be on Wednesday night. So the fall schedule is right here, uh, those dates, and we'll get those out in the email and in the program so that you have those days. But if you're interested in being a part of this, please let me know and I'll get you signed up and uh, look forward to hanging out with you on Wednesday evenings. Um, what do we got on the next slide? Uh, so before I left, I did this series called Original Blessing and uh, I was really enjoying it. So I thought we'd do, it, uh, do some more stuff around this idea of original blessing for the next few weeks. Uh, so we're going to dig deeper into that today. Next week, as uh, Rebecca just said, the, um, the youth group will be rafting, and parents and families will be uh, camping and rafting, so that's like half of us. Uh, and then um, our small groups at Bay Marin, we call faith communities. Uh, there are a number of different faith communities here at Bay Marin. The largest faith community at Bay Marin, they're all going to Tahoe next weekend, so that's a quarter of us. Uh, so um, next Sunday uh, is going to be a lot of fun because uh, Jonathan's put together an acoustic band, uh, and I think we're going to go unplugged next Sunday and just uh, enjoy an acoustic band together. Yeah, you, you all are going to miss out. That's right. Uh, and um, I'm going to do something uh, a lot more experiential with us together, those of us who are here next Sunday, because we're going to be... Uh, literally a small group, I think, next Sunday. And I'm really looking forward to it. And yeah, you all are going to miss out. Uh, and so I hope you'll come if you're in town. And then the next couple of Sundays, we'll continue with this theme of original blessing. And then we're back to three years with Jesus. So uh, last fall, winter, spring, we did our first year of what we're calling three years with Jesus. And so the Sunday after Labor Day weekend, we jump into year two uh, of our three years with Jesus series, and I can't wait to jump back into that series. So that's what's coming up. Um, so as you know, my family and I were gone for just over three weeks, and we had a great vacation. Uh, 
thank you for giving my family and I some space to get it get away and get recharged and come back fresh and ready to go. Uh, we flew in last Sunday, so while you all were here, we were flying into SFO, and uh, we went down to baggage claim and found our bags. And Jenna waited with our um, with our kids and with our luggage. And uh, I had found this great deal online to park our van while we were gone. And uh, I was like, you have to pay in advance. So I was like, I wonder if this is a scam. Like, am I going to really have to pay again once I get out of this parking lot? And so I'm waiting for the shuttle to go get our van. And then I'll drive back to the airport to get Jenna. Shuttle's not coming. Shuttle's not coming. Like a half hour goes by, no shuttle. And uh, I feel my phone vibrate. And I'm like, oh, that's Jenna saying, where are you? And uh, I open my phone and receive this text from Justin McRoberts. <laughs> just happened to be walking through SFO and just happened upon my family uh, while he was walking through SFO. And uh, there it is. Having a good time while I'm waiting to go get our van. Um, let's pray together and we'll jump in. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that we can trust you, that no matter what we've walked into this room with, whatever weight we're carrying, whatever burden, whatever brokenness, whatever heartache or stress, that you are with us, that you love us deeply, and you are for us, urging us on into all that you have created us for. We give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, so the first series, Original Blessing, we talked about a number of things. One was we spent some time talking about just wonder and awe, uh, that God is a God of wonder, God is a God of awe, and he created this amazing universe, and it causes us to have wonder and awe. Uh, we talked about the nature of being created in the image of God, that uh, God, out of God's love, brought us forth, uh, in some senses brought us forth out of the womb of God, and and created us in God's image to reflect him, to be like God in the world, to be this one who gives of oneself, that God at God's nature, part of God's nature is one who serves, that God gives of himself. Jesus comes and says, I, I, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And as people who are created in the image of God, uh, deep within us, deep of what it means to be human, is to give of ourselves for the sake of the world. Uh, we talked about how when God shaped and formed the universe and shaped and formed this planet where we reside, that it is out of the muck and mire of the earth that God created us. And there's this beautiful Hebrew wordplay in, in Genesis 2 where the author says that God created the Adam from the Adama, uh, created the the man from the dirt of the earth. And so the, the name Adam is connected to the earth, the Adama, the dirt, the dust. 
And so in the English language, people have tried to uh, remake this wordplay, saying uh, God created the earthling from the earth or the human from the hummus. And we spent time talking about being reminded of where we come from, that there is this humility in the hummus. There is this uh, humility in being human, that we are not God, we are not the divine, and yet the divine spark, the divine breath was breathed into us. And so there's this beautiful interplay of being created from the ground, having this earthly humility, and yet greatness was breathed into us. The divine breath from the beginning of time came into humans, and we breathe that divine breath in and out. And so we talked about the beautiful interplay of being created from the earth and yet having the divine breath in us. And uh, one of the questions I left us with was this. What does it look like to live an integrated life, body and soul? To live in embodied and soulful relationships with God, others, self, and the earth. Uh, that we can't separate our body from our soul. They are integrated. And God created our bodies from the earth and yet breathe life into us? And what does it look like to live in those embodied and soulful relationships with each other, with God, with all God has created? Um, so today I want to spend some time looking at this idea of goodness. This word good, it's used 562 times in the Hebrew scriptures and it's used of God, it's used of humanity, and it's used of creation. And it's the word that is used over and over and over again in Genesis 1 where God creates and declares it good, then God creates more and declares it good, and God uh, creates more and it says God saw that it was good. And ultimately we end up in verse 31 where God saw all that God had made and it was very good. Good. And so this good God creates a good creation and declares it all good. Uh, when's the last time you spent time in the beauty of God's creation and just experienced its goodness because the God who created it is good? Um, if I can have that picture. Right there. It's, this is a horrible picture. It doesn't do it justice. But uh, we were on the East Coast in South Carolina. And uh, a number of years ago, probably 12, 13 years ago, I experienced something on the East Coast that I'd never experienced before. It was the full moon rising out of the ocean. Uh, and it came up as this big orange ball. And it was so beautiful. And I, I knew when we were getting to the East Coast a couple of weeks ago, I knew that the full moon was the night before we were actually going to arrive. So the night we arrived was just the day after the full moon. And uh, we were there. My parents flew us out for their 50th anniversary. So we were there with my parents. We were there with my brother and his kids. And my brother's oldest, uh, his nephew, is 17 years old. And he had never boogie boarded in his life. And so I ran out and bought a couple of boogie boards, and we went back to the ocean, and high tide was coming. I said, we're going out. It's dark. We're going out. We're going to boogie board on the ocean and wait for the moon to rise. And that's what we did. And uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Mars 
was the closest to Earth it's been in a long time, yeah. Uh, and, and so we would see Mars rise first and then the moon right next to it. And so you got Mars, this, this red dot, and then the moon rising right next to it. And we're out in this vast ocean boogie boarding while the moon rises and, and, and just everything within me saying, it's good, it's good, it's so good. Of course it's good, because the God who created it is good. And so God's creation is good. Everything God made is good. It's bent. It's broken. Uh, sin has entered the world. Brokenness, heartache, despair has entered the world. But at its deepest level, it's good. And we must, I, I believe, in a world where we see so much brokenness, where we see so much confusion, we have our own internal confusion, our own internal brokenness, it is so important to us rem to remember the beginning of the story, that the story begins with a good God who created all things good. And that includes humanity. Genesis 1.31, where God declares it very good, comes right on the heels of God creating the first humans in God's image, and he declares them very good. Uh, I, I think we live with this uh, sense that at, at our core, we're bad. A and so we need God to get rid of that which is bad and, and make us good, rather than recognizing at our core, God created us good. And while we have become bent and broken and in, engage in, in decisions and activities on a regular basis that are not helpful to our own interior life, not helpful to our relationship to God or others, uh, whether it's addictions or just deep brokenness or confusion, these things that uh, weigh us down, when we allow those things to become the things that uh, we identify with, the things that we feel like our identity is rooted in those things, uh, it, it is a lie because the truth is found in a good God who created us for goodness, who created us for glory, who created us to reflect God in the world, to bring God's goodness, to bring God's love, to bring God's shalom to the world. And so the, the weight we carry, the brokenness, the sin patterns, these things, God comes and says, let me remind you of what I created you for. Let's let go of these things that entangle. Release these things that are unhelpful and walk with me the way I created you to walk with me. And so I think it's essential for us in our own personal lives to reflect inwardly and recognize that divine breath that is flowing through us, that divine image we are created in, because unless we're able to, in a healthy and proper way, reflect inwardly and see it within ourselves, it's going to be very difficult to see it in others. And so when we look at others, 
whether it's those we live with and, and have close, intimate relationships with, whether it's those we go to school with, whether it's those we work with, whether it's those in our church community, whether it's those in uh, the shopping line in front of us. Uh, is the first thought so, some type of judgment, uh, some type of critical thought? Because if it is, my guess is that your first thought of yourself is some type of judgment, some type of critical thought. And if we're able to get below those layers of criticism and judgment to the deepest thing within us, the deepest thing God has created within us, which is God's image, God's glory, God's goodness, then I think we can move forward in our relationship with others in seeing the deepest thing within them. So uh, how about this question? We'll just go for it. Uh, what does it look like to look for goodness in others even with those we most passionately disagree? Uh, we live in a culture where people passionately disagree. What does it look like to first and foremost see them as image of God, to look at them and see their essential goodness rooted in God, rather than the thing we passionately disagree about? But what does it look like to see, ah, they too are created in the image of God. They too are deeply loved by God. And even though it may be difficult for me to see it, the deepest thing within them is God's love, God's goodness, God's image. Uh, what might that look like for us? A uh, couple of thoughts about that. I, I believe that when we move toward each other well, we move toward that which is holy and sacred within us. If we're able to see the holy and sacred at the deepest level, rather than just the brokenness, just the judgment, just the criticism, uh, just the confusion, if we're, if we're able to get below all of that to the deepest thing within us that God created, and we move toward each other well, then I think there's a different way that we realize of being human. Uh, next slide. We are called to return to our true depths and move forward with radical transformation for the good of the world. Uh, going back to this idea that it, it, part of what is central to who God is is that God gives of God's self to the world. God places within us that same heartbeat to give of ourselves for the good of the world. If we walk around just having judgmental thoughts, critical thoughts, uh, negative thoughts, uh, and just live with that layer of brokenness, then the transformation of the world and that which we were created for uh, is left absent. And I believe uh, not only does the world suffer for it, but we suffer for it because we aren't living from that true self that God created us for. And we are never going to be able to move forward with joy and contentment in life, apart from living into that which God created us for. Uh, 
So how do we deal, I, I wonder how we deal with these, uh, these thoughts that often emerge that where we will believe that the deepest part of us is actually uh, sin, brokenness, rather than God's goodness. Because uh, if you grew up in a religious context, and particularly within a more conservative or fundamental religious context, that this may have been beaten into you, uh, that you are a sinner and you need to be redeemed. And uh, we all sin. We all are deeply broken. I'm deeply broken uh, and in desperate need of Jesus and the redemption that Jesus gives us. And so I'm not saying that we don't sin, that we're not broken. Uh, but if it has been beaten into you that your core identity is sinner rather than child of God, it can be extremely difficult to believe that your core identity is child of God, that your core identity is image of God, because it has just been ingrained into you. And, and you may have uh, been uh, taught texts like this from Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And so uh, a text like this can be pulled out and just taught on, and you walk away feeling, yeah, my heart is wicked. I'm a wicked person. Uh, that's who I am. And uh, the, the danger is then we walk around believing that th this is who we are at our core. Uh, rather than reading the whole context of Jeremiah, who ultimately in Jeremiah 31 comes to a place of talking about a new covenant and, and God writing this new covenant on our hearts, this supposedly desperately wicked heart that God writes this new covenant on. And just in Jeremiah 17, just a few verses later, here's what Jeremiah says, Heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are the one I praise. See, Jeremiah is wrestling with, I, I think, his own internal experience and especially uh, Israel's experience because he's been called as a prophet to Israel who is living far from God. And, and he's trying to talk to these people who are living far from God and, and wrestling with this. And what he sees is it, it, it feels like the way people are living is just all wickedness all around me. But then Jeremiah remembers there is something deeper. There is something deeper than wickedness, and it's the heart God gave us from the beginning. And Jeremiah says, let's wake up to that. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. For you are the one I praise. Jeremiah recognizes there is something deeper. And when we allow God to enter in and do a work of healing, a work of transformation in our lives, then we can live into that which we were intended to from the beginning. And this, uh, my friends, this is not a one-time salvation experience that Jeremiah is talking about. It's not a one-time healing experience that Jeremiah is talking about. This is the ongoing life of transformation. This is the ongoing invitation 
to live as God created us to live. Because it is so often it feels like we take one step forward and two steps back. And God is always there inviting us to wake up to that which we were created for. You were made for something bigger. You were made for so much more. You were created for something bigger than yourself. You were created to give of yourself to the world for the glory of God and to see God's healing and transformation come about in beautiful and mysterious ways. Uh, Jesus comes along sometime later after Jeremiah, and he tells this parable about these seeds, farmers walking around throwing these seeds on the ground, and some uh, are on uh, thorny soil and some on the rocks, and uh, some falls in good soil. And when he explains this parable to his disciples uh, and he talks about the good soil, this is what he says. He says, the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. So Jesus seems to indicate that this, this heart that Jeremiah was talking about that seemed desperately wicked, Jesus said, no, there's something deeper. There's something deeper, and it's good because God created it good. Uh, this term that Jesus uses for good heart is agathos, and it means intrinsically good or good in nature. See, Jesus is pointing us back to the beginning, and he's saying the beginning is goodness. And while things have gone way off course, I have come to wake you up to the beginning to your origins, to the original blessing, the original goodness that I bestowed on you. And it's good. And there is a heart within you that if you wake up to it, is good. And I invite you to live from that. Uh, Here's a thought from John Philip Newell. He says, Jesus comes to wake us up, to call us back to ourselves, and to the relationship that is deep within all things. The emphasis is not on becoming something other than ourselves, but on becoming truly ourselves. Uh, I think we so often think uh, we need to get rid of us and become something totally different. And what Jesus does is he comes and he says, no, no, God created you to be you. So wake up to you and who God created you to be, to live from that true place that God intended for you from the very beginning of time. So I wonder, I wonder this, uh, how can we together be part of liberating that which is deepest within all of us, that which God intended and shaped and formed us for from the beginning? I think this is a huge part of the invitation that God has for us, for us together to be a part of waking each other up. Because it happens in community. This isn't just some uh, go off to a cave and meditate for days. And while I am a big fan of solitude and feel like we need to practice solitude, the way we truly wake up and wake each other up to who we were created to be is in community and recognize, hey, I see this 
in you. Encouraging one another, building one another up. Hey, I see this in you. I think that's a gift from God. I, I see the way you interact with others. I see your heart for justice. I see your heart for the poor. I see your heart for compassion. And I see your heart for the sick. I see your heart. And it's waking each other up to that which we were created for. And, and spurring one another on, as the scripture says, towards love and good deeds. Uh, it's not, well, I guess I got to do this uh, because I'm expected to do it. No, it's, we were made for this. What does it look like to be motivated by love, not motivated by guilt or, or some feelings of uh, shame or, or obligation? Um, The cross and the picture of the cross and what Jesus comes to at the end of his life, the cross, and, and uh, this practice of the bread and the cup, which in some traditions they call the Eucharist. Uh, it's two Greek words meaning good gift. That, that the gift of Jesus was that his body was broken and his blood poured out for the sake of the world. And this, I believe, is God once again showing us who God is at God's core. When God, from the creation of the world, gives of God's self to create it. That this is an act of self-giving love to create the world and to create us. And Jesus shows us what God is really like on the cross. That God gives, once again, of God's self to, to the point of death for the sake of the world. And this, I believe, is one of the ways God shows us what we were made for. What does it look like for us to be broken and poured out for the sake of the world? Jesus comes and, and breaks himself open, pours himself out for the sake of the world, and we are invited into that same way of being. Uh, next slide. At the heart of being human is the invitation and calling to give ourselves away for the sake of the world. Uh, another quote from John Philip Newell. He says, next slide. One more, I think. The cross reveals what is deepest in us. The cross reveals that we approach our true selves as we give ourselves away to one another in love. This is when we come closest to truly finding ourselves. Uh, so this morning, as we come forward and take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup, and Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Uh, he gave himself to us. The, the cross is the full extent of his love. So as we come and we remember what Jesus did for us, uh, I simply want to invite you to ask this question. Where is God inviting you to give yourself away in love? What does it look like for you? Uh, who is that person that God is saying, I want you to continue to give of yourself, even though you may not feel like it? Uh, in your home life, when you're frustrated with those you live with, when you'd rather just uh, be passive and walk away, or you would rather just 
yell at somebody? What does it look like to give of yourself in love? Uh, in your work life, what does it look like to give of yourself in love to that coworker that you try to avoid as much as possible? Uh, in your school life, what does it look like for you to give yourself away in love as God created you to, to that classmate, to that teacher, to that person who you'd rather just not be around? Uh, I believe this is the constant daily invitation from God to us that we were created for, to return to that which is deepest within us, reflecting on the divine within us, the image of God within us, the self-giving love of God within us, that God invites us to allow it to overflow out for the sake of the world. And it begins with those you are closest with. It begins with recognizing God invites me to give myself away to those in my proximity. It, it's easy, I think, to look at an issue or, or, or something out there in the world and say, I'm going to give myself to that in, in some way uh, without any deep relational capital. And we need to be involved in these issues in the world, and we need to give of ourselves to these things in the world. But unless we're doing it well at home, we're not going to do it well out there. And so what does it look like right here, right now, in your life? Who, where, in what way is God inviting you to give of yourself, to give your love away for the good of the world? God, as we come and take a piece of bread and dip it in this cup, as we engage in this practice of remembering your body broken, your blood poured out for us and for all creation. God, I, I pray that you would once again fill us up with your love so that we can give it away. God, I pray that you would continue to shape and form us into being more fully human, people who live more fully than ever into the image that you created us to live into. God, give us a deep capacity to love. Fill us with your spirit in ways we could never imagine. We pray these things in the name of Jesus.